0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. With the first jewel claim. Oh, it's
1: a photo of the derby.
0: The race for the Triple Crown erupts into an epic party. The Preakness Stakes, May 18th on NBC and Peacock. Chris, I watched that game last night. I went back and I studied the film. I watched that game. I'm watching the second interception now. I watched all of that game. I went back and watched that. Watching the Browns-Ravens game last night. I watched that game back.
1: What the hell happened to you? What? Who are you? What the hell's going on with you, Johnny (laughs) Film Session? Johnny Film Session breaking it down. I feel cheated as a human being. Like, if you're going to watch film and all that, I need to start reading
0: CBA agreements and doing lawyer crap. That was from last week, various occasions, where I pointed out I did watch games, and I did watch games. And look, here's here's the key. We'll peel back the curtain a little bit after we say good morning to everyone. Second hour of PFT Live on Peacock, Sirius XM 211, and the re-air on NBCSN. Also, Sky Sports at some point in the UK and in Ireland on this fine Tuesday morning. I am home this year. And it's funny because I've been coming up to the studio for the last 10 years, and I'll inevitably run into people here where I live in West Virginia who say to me, on Sunday nights, are you home above your garage? It's like, no, I'm I'm. In the studio, can't you tell? Do you think they bring all those other people to my house? <laughs> and uh, and so, and so, I you know, this year, the pandemic and whatnot, Rodney Harrison and I are both at home, and it looks like I'm in the studio. But here's the reality. I have found 14 hours of otherwise stressful travel time that's not very conducive to doing anything productive, although I try my best to be productive, All of a sudden, I'm here. I'm home. I'm rested. I'm refreshed. I got time to watch the games. So what the hell? I'm watching the games. It's liberating. It's fun. I've tried in the past, but there's just too much going on. You know, copy-paste snarky comment takes some time and effort. Yes, I know it does. So the bottom line is I am watching the – the games, not necessarily breaking down the coach's film with the John Madden clicker going back and forth, but it really is beneficial definitely, to see as many of the games as you can to understand what the hell's going on. That's right. It gives you a feel for the game. You know, there's a few games there. I, I, I of
1: course, love to watch coaches' film. Yeah, it, it helps me out. It gives me the answers to the test in a lot of ways and things like that. But are there a few games every week where I go, I'm, I'm not going to get to the coaches film. I, I can't do it. Life's And it takes too long to watch film that way all the time to where, man, I mean, does NFL game pass like those condensed games? You want to get a feel for a game? Okay, I didn't get to see much of this this week. Let me go back and watch and just get a feel for how the game was played and kind of the important plays that swayed the game. You know, it, it's it's crucial. You're right. And it gives you a feel. And like you've always said, Mike, when you could sit down and just focus on one game, you start to pick up little plays or nuances to go. Oh, wow! Oh, yeah! That, you know, I didn't see that on Sunday. Ooh, the team—that's this team's good at that. This is two weeks in a row I've seen them be good at that. Or who? This guy on the defensive line. You know, I don't know what he's doing, but the announcer calls his name a lot. He's he's busting through there a lot. It's two weeks in a row, uh, so there is value in that. Good for you, Fl- Flaworski. Way to go, Mike. What do I, who, who did I call you? Mel Flipper? Uh, Florio over there? What's, I, I, it's amazing.
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I got to get myself some Ron Jaworski glasses, though, to fully complete the the ensemble. Uh, but but the other thing at the most basic level, it gives you an understanding of how close a game was or how not close a game was. Because the score and the highlights don't always tell you no. what specifically. You know, there's, there's always one big turning point. But beyond that one big turning point, there are moments that set the stage for it. And it's a penalty. It's a call. It's a decision. It's a throw. It's a fumble. It's a bounce of the ball. And there's just a handful of them over the course of that three-hour window. Right. Three, four, five at the very most that, that turn the game. And, you know, just like the best example from week one, the Browns were not blown out by the Ravens, even though the Browns were blown out by the Ravens. So... Uh, With that said, we have a couple of games that we have watched more carefully. Full disclosure on the Chiefs-Chargers game coming up. I have not watched all of it yet, but I've seen enough to wax poetically. Let's start with Patriots-Seahawks, though, the game of the week. uh, All due respect to the Cowboys and the Falcons, but it was uh, excitement. It was billed as an exciting matchup. It lived up to it. And let's focus on the the ending, the last play. Chris, when you go back and look at the film – and pull out the clicker, and watch it back and forth. What did you see when Cam Newton failed to get into the end zone well, as Irvin Magic Johnson? So, he's never going to live this down. I saw this on Brother from Another yesterday. We used it yesterday on PFT Live. I'm surprised we didn't jam it into PFTPM. Thank you, Irvin Magic Johnson. Cam Newton came up short on the goal line. Chris, how and why did he come up short on I the goal line? I think Magic just without a tweet that said, the sun
1: came out in the east today uh, as well. But – The, 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 the came up short. First off, you got to give credit to the Seattle defensive staff. I think they went all in to stop that play. We saw the new England Patriots run and new England again. Hey, it's tough not to call that play when you've called that play, what five or six times over the last two weeks. And nobody's touched your quarterback as he's walked in the end zone every time. So they went to their bread and butter. They said, nobody stopped it. We're going to call it again. And they did that. But Seattle played it differently. And early in the game, Cam Newton's got two touchdowns already in this game on this play. And in that game earlier, Seattle pinched their D-line. They pinched them inside, right, to make a big mosh pit and a mess of things inside. Well, they felt like, hey, let's call a timeout. They're going to go to this play again. And they played it different. And Pete Carroll, instead of telling them to, like, pinch in, they almost slanted that way. Or at least stayed on the course of where they lined up. So LJ Collier made the big play, who had been blocked down and kind of mushed into the middle of the the defense the first two times they ran ran it by uh, their rookie 71 out of Michigan. This time he stayed on the outside edge, and he got on his outside shoulder, and uh, Owain Yu, I believe is his name is 71, was unable to block him down. And that's LJ Collier, who got in the backfield – and knocked Cam Newton in the air, let alone Bobby Wagner was there too. And that was another thing. You saw Pete Carroll talking to Bobby Wagner, and I think he told them, like, hey, they're going to run that play again. And when that guard pulls, I want you to shoot in there. And he also was a big part in making a mess of that play altogether. Patriots went to the well one too many times. I can't fault them. And the Seahawks made the proper adjustment.
0: You know, last night my son and I were watching the game and the Raiders were down in a goal line situation and you could tell the Saints were dug in to stop the run. And I said to my son, this is where you roll out right and you throw an easy little touchdown pass and that's what they did. And right. You know, for, for one fleeting moment of my life, he was actually impressed. But why not in that setting keep the ball in Cam Newton's hands a little bit longer so he can see if a guy gets open. And then if no one's there, then you try to power your way into the end zone. I'm always a fan in that setting when you have a mobile quarterback of giving your quarterback more than one option. When you call that play, he's got one option, get to the end zone. Yeah, well,
1: you know, I I hear you. And it's certainly, you know, easy to second guess it. They already went to the well on that pass play that we saw you know, earlier on the goal line. But where, they went
0: to the other well too. No. They've been to multiple wells multiple I know. times.
1: You're right. No, I listen, and, and you know, New England is gonna continue to grow off of this, but I'll go back to what I said yesterday. If they called some other play and it didn't work, the whole world would be going, Cam they nobody has stopped Cam Newton up the middle yet since he's been in New England. Why wouldn't they do it again? And I think they had a little bit of like, yeah, they were a little stuck in a spot there to go, wait, we're awesome at this. He's been unstoppable with this. We've seen no one make the proper adjustment. Let's just go to it one more time. And and Seattle won that chess
0: match. I don't know if this is, de- is detectable from the coach's film. And I don't even know if the coach's film is available yet. There's a little bit of a delay in that showing up on game pass. Game pass is great. And it's great to watch the condensed game 45 minutes max in most cases. But is is there a chance? Yeah. When Cam Newton walks up to the line and he knows where he's going and he sees can he see you know this is the kind of thing a Tom Brady can do based on 20 years in football. You see that that play that's called isn't going to be there. Does Cam Newton have the freedom to check out to something else or is the fact that he's still so new to the team put him in a position where it's a very narrow lane in which he can operate. It's
1: a valid question. I I hear what you're saying. I don't think this is the type of play that is a audible out of this type of play type of situation, right? Like, because they lined up still very similar to the way they had lined up the previous times on the play. So I don't think there was anything that Cam Newton came to the line of scrimmage and went, wait, this looks different. Are we going to be able to do this? Right? He came to the line of scrimmage and said, whoa, it looks the same. I mean, I, I got it here in front of me right now. The coach's film. I'm watching it, okay? I know people, so I got access. But either way, all right, he, he I don't think has anything there. And then typically, Mike, with those type of plays, those are usually like, hey, we've worked on this play all week. These are the two goal line sets this defense plays, and we know how to block it no matter how they line up. I just think the trajectory of the defensive line and how they deployed after the snap Caught New England by surprise, especially the rookie I talked about, 71, where all game he went boom and mashed in Collier, and all of a sudden he went inside again and went, whoa, wait, you're going that way? And it caught him by surprise, and he's the guy that made the play.
0: I mentioned the opportunity to throw the ball at the goal line. One thing the Patriots did do on Sunday night, they threw the ball a lot with Cam Newton. What questions do you have that still need to be answered about Cam Newton and the Patriots' passing attack?
1: Well, I I mean, none. That answered a lot of questions for me. Uh, It really did. First off, what what do we all question? I mean, everybody last year told us there's no weapons in New England, right? So, I don't know, 400 yards seem to be enough weapons there, right? There's enough there. And we saw guys like N'Keele Harry are growing in the past game. Demir Bird, who they signed from Arizona. He's got some speed, and he's a go-to guy. So I think all of a sudden encouraging, but the biggest thing that's encouraging over anything, and I know you watched it back too, Mike, the decisions being made, I know he threw an interception, It's a good play by the corner, but the decisions being made, and then how many throws do you see that you just go, I mean, wh- wow, high level, Well, right in the right spot. You know, even in the incompletions, I never came away from an incompletion going like, man, he really missed the target. You know, a lot of the incompletions, I just went, oh, he he's being safe. That was good coverage. He threw it out here, and, you know, his guy gets it. Nobody gets it. So his mechanics and the pacing of the ball and the decisions and all of that are, are
0: really been smoothed out by these New England coaches. And, uh, you know, the reality is, based upon how well he ran week one, the, op- the opportunities were going to be there to throw the ball in week two. And they right. knew they were going to have to throw the ball, even though he still ran the ball, I think, 11 times. That was down from 15, and, and he was extremely effective as a passer. And there's a lot to like about right. the New England offense, even without supposedly the weapons necessary to make it a high-end attack. And you mentioned Demir Bird. Yeah, he's a name that we kept hearing over and over again. On Sunday night, he's a guy who's becoming a factor, developing that chemistry and that relationship yep. with Cam Newton. Remember, this is just week two. One of the reasons I picked the Seahawks to win was because they were meeting in Week Two. Yeah. If this game is played in November or December, I've got a different vibe altogether because they have more of an opportunity to get to the point where Cam Newton is comfortable and they're comfortable with him and they know who the guys are, who he throws the ball to when in doubt, and maybe they have a better feel for the plays to call in crunch time, etc. Right. So the fact that they came as close as they did against a great Seattle team Week Two is extremely encouraging. Yeah, you want to get out of there with the win, but at the same time, you got to feel good if you're the Patriots about what the future holds with Cam Newton no doubt a little bit over to the Seahawks offense yeah the, the saying as we now know I mean we were ahead of let Russ cook now everywhere you go it's let Russ cook yeah uh they give him they, they they've given him some new ingredients though on offense they have well it, it's a
1: pass first offense right even though it's like balanced right we still they come out and the passing game is the force of nature the Seahawks throw out at you and then they go to the run game off of that You know, back in years past, it was run the ball in the first quarter, run the ball in the second quarter, and you're sitting there going, well, no, the game's not balanced. They're running the ball way more than passing the ball. And then the final numbers would be balanced, but that was because they were down by seven points in the fourth quarter, and all of a sudden now they got to throw the ball every play, and that evened out the scales that way. The coaching staff, especially Brian Schottenheimer, deserves so much credit for what we're seeing in Seattle. I mean, we know Russell Wilson's awesome, and the weaponry around him is really good too. It's it's the most explosive weaponry he's had in his career. But Brian Schottenheimer, he's breaking down barriers to things that I wasn't sure they were going to be capable of doing. I mean, even when we were talking about in the offseason, let Russ Cook and let Russell Wilson throw the football, I kept going, man, Seattle, some of their schemes throwing the football are just basic. So does he have enough offense in here to open it up? And through two weeks, it's been, yeah, aggressive play calls, but... I've seen a lot of different formations. I've seen a lot of different schemes when guys go down the field running different patterns. I'm not seeing a ton of repeats, things like that, to where it kept New England on edge the other night. You don't see New England on edge. You don't see New England blow a coverage when you know the, the the one receiver runs a shallow cross and nobody's there around him. They got in a crazy formation and Tyler Lockett was at tailback and the Patriots are all confused on how they wanted to sort it out. So I give him a lot of credit for changing his DNA and his approach to the game, let alone we know Russ is just on fire.
0: One question that emerged about the Patriots' past defense that yeah. you have a very high opinion of, especially in the back end, It was a Malcolm Butler type of a situation in Super Bowl 52, although unlike Butler, who never showed up in Super Bowl 52 on defense, he had like one courtesy special team snap, and we still don't know why the hell that happened. J.C. Jackson absent for the first quarter, and whenever something like that happens with the Patriots, there's a story behind the story that we're never going to know. No, and, you know, Mike, I
1: I know I I texted Sunday night, right? I think around halftime because, you know, we get done with football night in America. I go home. And I got the game DVR'd so, because I'm going to miss the few, first few minutes of the game as I'm driving home. So I'm catching up, and I'm sitting there going, wait. First off, I've never seen the Patriots show the respect to a quarterback the way they showed Russell Wilson early in that game, where they played zone, they played safe. It was like, whoa, wait, let's just get a feel for him and these receivers and everything like that. But then, you know, as I'm sitting there, I'm also going, wait, well, maybe they're not playing man-to-man because where's J.C. Jackson? JC Jackson is one of the 10 best corners in football and he did not come in the football game until the first play of the second quarter, you know, and there was other moments where he was out of the game too. And I don't understand it. He must've broken a team rule. I text people up in new England in the media yesterday, just going, Hey, has anybody heard why JC Jackson wasn't playing anything like that? Can't get an answer, but yeah, that was uh, a big part of the game because also you know, Jason McCourty, his replacement, led up the first touchdown when uh down in the red zone, and then led up the touchdown down the left sideline to David Moore, where he toe tapped and made the great play to get his feet in the bounds. Those were two plays where usually that's JC Jackson, and I don't understand what happened there. That was a big, big loss for their team.
0: Yeah, curious to see whether or not on any of the visits to the great and powerful Wizard of Oz, any of the members of the media will tiptoe down the hallway and And ask him that question. It's got to be easier to do it when it's not in person. But still, and I'd say that to have fun. I have fun with Tom Kern all the time. We talked about this yesterday on PFTPM. They, 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 They tread lightly with Belichick and Colonel say, Hey, you're welcome to join the party and ask the questions like, no, fine. You do it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to mess with him either. Right. It's just funny, but good luck getting an answer to that question. You're never going to get an answer to where JC Jackson was ever. Not this week, not this month, not ever. All right, let's flip it over to the game that, and I'm going to be fully transparent. I've got my notes. I watched chiefs chargers all the way until like eight minutes left in the third quarter. Don't spoil it for me, but I've seen enough to, uh come to some very important conclusions as it relates to the la chargers yeah as it relates to the decision to make justin herbert the quarterback from oregon the guy we met in indianapolis before the world turned upside down and we were impressed with him when we had a chance to sit down with him i'm far more impressed by what i saw in two and a half quarters of action this guy has it right and i don't know what the hell anthony lynn is thinking now, maybe he's just being respectful to Tyrod Taylor, and now we know that there was a, a bad pain-killing injection that created the chest pains that sent him to the hospital, and maybe they just don't want to take the guy's job away from him at this point. I don't know how anyone can watch what Justin Herbert did on Sunday and not conclude that he's both the future and the present for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, I mean,
1: I, I'm with you there, Mike. I am. I mean, if I was them, I would be. I would start the new era. I really would. You, you can play the style of football Anthony Lynn wants to play with Justin Herbert. Yeah, he made an interception. It he, he was his, his bad his bad play of the day. It was a what, what was it a he had second and two? He could have ran for the first down, and he tried to throw the ball across his body down the field. That was stupid. There's no doubt about it. Seventeen to nine. But you also like okay, that was stupid. He made some throws in that play and plays in that game that you know Tyrod Taylor and a lot of quarterbacks in football aren't going to make. So you have to take that into account, too. They were up at that point because of some of those plays. First off, Mike, I mean, aren't you amazed by his, like, just his look on the field? To me, the first thing that jumps out as I turn it on, I go, other than Cam Newton, is there a bigger quarterback on the field right now than Justin Herbert? He's got great size, and we saw what he can do when he runs and punish people. Uh, I thought that was the first thing that jumped out, let alone his ability to really
0: throw and make game-changing type throws. It is such a jarring combination, this giant with a fresh face, with not quite doe-eyed, right? Right. Because the moment wasn't too big for him. But all of a sudden, this sport that we're accustomed to watching, we know the names, we know the faces, and here's this new guy who gets thrust into the mix without warning, literally. I mean, he found out minutes before kickoff he was going to be playing, and he has it. You can just tell, and that's one of the reasons we missed the preseason this year. You don't get the chance to see who passes the eyeball test and who doesn't. Well, here's Justin Herbert in his home opener. No fans there, but regardless, there wouldn't have been many Chargers fans anywhere relative relative to the Chiefs fans. He's got it. He can move and he can throw. He had a touchdown run. He found a gear. Good luck catching him when he finds that gear when he turns the corner and heads to the end zone, he's going to be a weapon that way. He's clearly a weapon in the passing game. Some of the throws he made, he had a 39 yard pass to Mike Williams, the Tyron Matthew made a great play on in the first half. That thing was, as you would say, a freaking laser laser. It was incredible. Incredible. Yes. And he had mo- he had other throws like that. He had throws that connected and that didn't connect. There, there was one where, he tried to fit one into Keenan Allen in the third quarter. Down and the I middle? Said, nobody, nobody else makes that throw no. except maybe Patrick Mahomes. I agree. And he, and he put it there.
1: Right, right. That was an eye-popping throw. I know the throw you're talking about. Keenan Allen down the middle, and he's got like two or three guys around him to where you go, ooh, like is he really going to throw this? I, I see that the guy's a little open, but this is dicey, and it was on the money, and you're right. I, I came away saying the same thing. Like a few of these throws – these are only like your top tier NFL arm type throws even the touchdown pass in the back left corner. you know that was unbelievable. a, a laser, right? The corners in a position where he's trying to look at the, the, the guy inside and outside because he's going, wait, the back in the end zone's behind me there's not that much room for this guy to just throw some missile by me and I think that he pa- did. the pace of the ball That's shocked a, him right? I mean he' amazing. Kinda, like, Yes. Amazing. So that's what arm can do. And you're right. I mean, if I'm the Chargers, I, uh, I know Anthony Lynn wants to go with Tyrod Taylor, but I, I man, I just got to think there's got to be a deeper conversation about the better move for the future of the organization and everything about it.
0: One of the things that keeps me focused on watching the condensed games, because I really have to fight, because there's always a distraction. I can always see, is there a new story that I need to cover? Did somebody text me? It's very hard for me to remain focused. One of the things that helps me keep my focus, I'm always watching for something unusual. That's my challenge. Look for something that stands out. For example, there was a fourth and one play in the second quarter. The, The right guard of the Chargers clearly left early and it was missed you just you're wired to watch for things like that right uh, they converted by the way and they went down to get a field goal there was a moment and i think it was that same drive second and three from the 19 the chiefs 19 austin eckler has a nice little run he breaks it free he gets down toward the end at the end of the play here comes justin herbert barreling into the action not recklessly almost like a guy following his shot in basketball like right. that presence of mind like this play is still going on There's something I may be able to do. It's the old right place, right time. It reminds me of how Tony Dungy explained the Frank O'Hara's mindset that led to the Immaculate Reception. Because Tony Dungy wasn't playing for the Steelers when the Immaculate Reception happened. When Tony Dungy got to Pittsburgh, he said, I'm not surprised by the fact he made that play because in practice, he's always hustling to the ball. He's always trying to make something happen. And this is the reality. You can have 99.999% of the time where you do that, and nobody notices, there's right. no gain, there's right. no benefit. That one time, though, that something screwy happens and you're there, that's a play for the ages. Yeah, so right. just the fact that in the guy's first game, when he had no chance to even think about it, he's he's showing that kind of hustle, and not every quarterback should because you're putting yourself in arms way. He didn't get hit or anything. That was the moment to me that said, this. The, we can say all the things we want about the arm, about the legs, about the body, about it. But this guy's got a mentality that is going to serve him very well over the next 15 or 20 years. They have their guy. Yeah. And the sooner they admit it, the better off they're going to yeah,
1: be. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, too. I, I do. And, and you're, you know, I think what you're explaining is a guy that you look at and you go, yeah, he's a quarterback. And I see he's got big time, but he's, he's a football player. He really is. He's just got a feel for. What needs to be done in the game and just hustling and like you're talking about, running after the ball. Ooh, maybe the ball falls on the ground. Maybe the guy breaks a tackle and I can, you know, nudge somebody out of the way and spring them for a bigger run. You know, that's what football players do. And uh, yeah, the kid's got incredible talent, an incredibly high ceiling. He really does. He could be a superstar with the skill set he has. And you could see he's got the poise too. He's he wasn't, like, flustered at all. At any moment in that football game, he was always calm, cool, and collect. And, yeah, some of the things he did, especially in the first half, were pretty damn special. Hey,
0: And at the end of the half, they didn't have a whole lot of time. They had a couple of timeouts. He was poised and confident, and he conducted a two-minute drive that put them in position, even with a couple of penalties. And at yeah. the end, they had a hook and lateral play that, that came that close to popping Breaking for it. a touchdown. Right, right. If, if Keenan Allen makes the flip – more accurately to Austin Eckler that's a touchdown to end the half and uh, oh boy I don't know that the Chiefs can close that margin let's flip it over now yeah. and and I didn't again I, I I ran out of time at about eight minutes left in the third quarter and, and the Chiefs offense had not done much by then no why did it take so long for them to wake up and then what finally happened well
1: okay so here's the, the first thing is it's this defensive scheme this defensive scheme really gives the Kansas City Chiefs issues I mean, we've known last year, Mexico City against the Chargers, they struggled offensively, right? Um, they've lost to the Seattle Seahawks two years ago, up in Seattle. Uh, they 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 lost to the Chargers two years ago in a Thursday night game. They've played this scheme even in the Super Bowl, down 20-10. to 10. I mean, it wasn't a pretty day. We know they made the plays to win the game, but there was a lot of moments of going, damn, I don't know. This they're in trouble. They can't seem to find a big player or expose this defensive scheme. It gives them issues, and the Chargers have the right formula. Not only is the scheme, you know, allow them to drop seven, but they have the front four to where they don't ever have to blitz. They never have to blitz. They rarely blitz in the football game itself, and then because of Bosa, Ingram, and Jerry Tillery who was wow. est- right, establishing himself as one of the better interior pass rushers in football here already. And I saw him in person for a few years at Notre Dame. He's the real deal. That is the first advantage they have to harass that Chiefs offense.
0: I, you know, I'm not up on my full history of interior pass rushers who went to Notre Dame, but there is one who turned out to be pretty damn good, and his name was Alan Page. And it's too early to start making those comparisons, but he did block an extra point, which was one of Page's extra things on top of everything else he did. But that, that that's the one thing I noticed in the first half. And, you know, Von Miller told us at the Super Bowl how the challenge with defending Patrick Mahomes is he just keeps fading back and back and back. There was a lot of fading back and back and back because it was Bosa, it was Ingram, it was Tillery. Uh, busting through and putting the heat on him, forcing him to drop back and ultimately forcing him to throw to someone who wasn't there. Yeah, and and
1: you know, really, the bottom line and one of the things I said on my podcast yesterday when I do my deep dive of you know games and stuff, and this was one of the games I watched on film. They don't win this game if it isn't for Patrick Mahomes' legs. He won the game because of his running. It was nothing to do his arm. We know it's special, but first touchdown drive. Two big scrambles that really were the biggest plays of that drive to get them down there to score the touchdown. Third and 20, 21-yard scramble. Helps them get, what, the game-tying field goal at that time. Oh, break the pocket to the right, full on the run, laser, 50-yard, like nobody else in football even attempts to throw it. Oh, bam, on the money to Tyree kill touchdown. Here we go, Chiefs. Like, if his movement isn't the way it is in that game and his ability to do that, they're they're not going to be able to do anything on the offensive side of the ball. Again, this goes back to our conversation where I'm a little surprised the Chiefs have to study some other offenses who have had success against this defensive scheme. You know, the teams I think about right off the bat are are the Patriots and and McDaniel's because they played the Seahawks and the Falcons in the Super Bowl. They know what it takes. Shanahan's had success against the scheme itself, but they don't have enough plays that expose the scheme and enough underneath stuff. That's really the big thing. And I was surprised by that because it was an issue last year and they kind of answered the bell. But you take away the big plays, Kansas City, again, showed that they will struggle uh, with just executing and moving the ball consistently when you do that.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's something to see and it's going to be, you know, we're trying to figure out where the rivalries are going to be. Who are the teams that are going to contend with the Chiefs? Do we just hand the next six Super Bowls to them? I don't know that we can hand the next six division titles to them. Not with Justin Herbert. I want to circle back to that. Yeah. The Chargers have something. And here's what Anthony Lynn now needs to worry about. He, he better make it happen with Herbert because you're going to have other guys out there looking at their options around the NFL, and they're going to eyeball – the opportunity to hitch their wagon to Justin Herbert. Oh, yes. And Lynn's going to have to worry about guys working behind the scenes, trying to convince the Chargers to make a change, trying to get the Chargers to hire him. Here's how I'd make your team better. You know, a lot of crap that happens off the grid. Anthony Lynn's going to have to worry about that if he doesn't get the most out of Justin Herbert. And one way to get the most out of him is to get him on the field. And, and I, I looked it up. It was two years ago to the day that Tyrod Taylor got injured in that Thursday night game I thought so. against the Jets. Two years to the day and got bounced for Baker Mayfield. Well, let me tell you, what we saw from Justin Herbert on Sunday was a hell of a lot better than what we saw from Baker Mayfield that Thursday night. This should be a no-brainer. I understand, out of respect to Tyrod Taylor, you don't want to tell him he's lost his job on the day that that uh, you know he had to go to the hospital because he had chest pains, but this should be a no-brainer. And this is the kind of thing where I think – if they have any difficulty, if they put Taylor back under center, you're going to start having the uprising in the locker room. I right, well agreed.
1: Yeah, you're going to have the you're going to have everything. You're going to have the fans and the media just going, "Why aren't we playing Herbert?" They don't have any
0: fans. Well, you're right. I know, but they will. Yeah. They will
1: if they play Justin Herbert. Uh, he he certainly will help that out. And then the other thing, just you know, the, the reality of the situation. You know, two things, and I want to get your take on this. I mean, first off. You know, you said it. Are they being like this extra more of saying Tyrod's going to come back because it sounds like it was a charger-inflicted, like, issue, right? Like, oh, we gave you a shot in the rib or something like Don't that. Don't sue us, Tyrod. Don't you sue still us. We're the ones that aggravated it. My <laughs> fault. Yep, you're still starting. But I would just think, like, this is the week to do it right now for Justin Herbert. You got the Carolina Panthers coming to the town without Christian McCaffrey. Uh, this is a defense that we've seen people can move the ball on Carolina and with no Christian McCaffrey, you know, that's a huge part of their offense that'll be missing. It can set itself up for you to win this football game and, yes, let your young rookie quarterback get important reps, build some confidence, and, and who knows? I mean, gosh, we've seen a lot of rookie quarterbacks uh, make their teams better, challenge for playoff spots here in the recent you know NFL era to where – I don't think it's crazy and he I think he can play the ball control defensive style, take care of the ball type of, of football. I think he's capable of
0: that. And after that game against the Panthers, here's where it gets extremely compelling. Because it's Chargers at 43-year-old hashtag Tommy followed by Chargers at 41-year-old Drew Brees. Yeah. What a contrast. Whoa. If just, Justin Herbert comes in. And look, I'm telling you, the kids got it. And it's amazing to see Joe Burrow's got it. Justin Herbert's got it. Chances are Tua Tonga Bailoa doesn't because usually one of the – I hope, may hopefully all three have it. Yeah. Right? But two out of three taken in the top six – For 2020, pass the test. Seal of approval. They are the guys. Now the question is, what does the team do around them? And for the Chargers, the question is, are they going to recognize this is the guy? And are they going to keep the ball in the hands of Justin Herbert and let him keep getting better and let him be exciting and let him lead the team and and you know they got to be thinking about next and you know by next year Herbert's going to be the guy when yeah, the fans come back. Right. But I'm more excited about the Chargers right now than I am about the Rams. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I understand that. I mean I I get it. He's he's got
1: you know you saw enough in that game to go well. Wait, this guy could be one of those guys that just every week we go oh that, that's special. Whoa, you know like we do a little bit with Josh Allen and the Mahomes and those kind of guys where you just go. Man, oh, I, I've never seen anybody do that, or I can't believe he made that play. And and they have offensive talent around them. Added to the fact, like, in, in week one, and this is what I always worry about Tyrod Taylor, you know, the ability to make plays in the pass game, throwing the ball down the field, doing that stuff, I think it's far greater uh, likelihood that they can accomplish more explosive pass plays in the pass game with Justin Herbert. I think he already proved that. And that just that game, that okay, he can do things and he has an aggressive frame of mind that's just a little different than Tyrod. And it gives guys like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, you know, a more dangerous edge to them now because, oh, wait, they can go down the field and and strike us that way. Um, But I don't know, Mike, maybe maybe that Tampa Bay, New Orleans part of the schedule is what's making Anthony Lynn hesitant. Maybe he sees that and goes, wait – I I don't know if I want my rookie with those two games. This is where maybe I just need a Tyrod Taylor. They do a lot of different well, things on defense, but yeah, I don't know.
0: He, he just he just stared down Patrick Mahomes. I know, and a defense that's complicated to go to overtime. Right, exactly. Right. Now, I no. Look, you get. Look, I got a ton of respect for Anthony Lynn. I don't know what he's thinking if he doesn't go with Justin Herbert this coming weekend, and and if he doesn't, uh, he he's 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 taking a risk. Uh, that, that I don't think he should be taking because he's, he's been given a gift by the football gods and Justin Herbert, and he only has to recognize it. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll take a closer look at last night's game, the Raiders christening their new home with a victory over the Saints. We'll talk about that and other stuff when PFT Live continues right after All right, hockey from Monday night. Stanley Cup final game two Tampa Bay and Dallas Braden Point scores the first goal for Tampa Bay putting them up one to nothing later in the first period Andres Palat two to nothing that's a lot for the stars to have to overcome can they do it well before it gets to that it's another one from the Tampa Bay Lightning Kevin Shattenkirk all three goals in a span of three minutes and 53 seconds. But the Lightning had to hold on. The Stars scored a couple. They made it close. They made it exciting. But at the end of the day, Dallas uh, goes down. And the Lightning lead 2-0. Game 3 tomorrow night. No, the series is tied. It's tied. Dallas won the first game. Never mind. Forget that. Dallas won the first game. Come it's on, It's tied. Man. Pivotal Game 3 coming up tomorrow night at 8 Eastern on the networks of NBC. All right. All uh, right. Let's get to it. A statistical oddity that we have discovered that we want to see, Chris. This isn't the trivia question for the draft that's coming up later. We're doing the goats in a bad way draft for week two. DeAndre Hopkins has caught touchdown passes from 11 different quarterbacks. How many of them can you name? Oh, my gosh. Um, I didn't think you were going
1: to really ask me this. I, I mean, okay. Too bad. Yeah. All right. So we got, we got Kyler Murray. Right. Does he count? Very good. It? Okay, yeah. good. We got Deshaun has Watson. Has a touchdown
0: pass from him? I yes. think
1: he has. Yes. Deshaun Watson. All right. We got Case Keenum. I'm going to, I think. Yes. Brock Osweiler. Tom Brock Savage. Brock Osweiler. Tom Savage. Did he ever catch one from Tom Savage? Tom Savage. Well done. Okay. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Brian Hoyer. Boom. Oh, and now I'm going to – You got I, more than I thought you would. I don't know if I'm going to be able to name anybody else. There's somebody else I'm missing that, like – was he was a quarterback from North Carolina, and I can't think of his name. TJ na- Yates. TJ Yates, thank you very much. That doesn't really count, but I think that's it. I don't think I have any more names in my brain.
0: You got three left. Ryan Mallett, oh, Matt Not Too Shobby, and Brandon Whedon. Oh, my
1: gosh. The three
0: easiest guys. What the – that actually I wouldn't say they're the three off. easiest. Well, I wouldn't say the three easiest. I'd say Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson were probably the two easiest, the first two that you named. But yes, uh, you're right. That's a, it's a, you know, basically it's every Texans quarterback for the past ten years. Jeez. Plus Kyler Murray. Man, right? I can't believe I forgot about
1: Schaub and then Ryan Mallett. Where you know I was in New England when Ryan Mallett was there, and he went to Houston not far after that. I, I just can't believe I forgot that one. Jeez, that that made me mad.
0: All right. One of the popular takes after two weeks, the Texans should have buyer's remorse for giving DeAndre Hopkins to the Cardinals for a second-round pick and running back David Johnson. Do you agree with that, or is it still too early to tell?
1: Well, it is early, but, I mean, it's hard to argue it right now. I mean, you're seeing what DeAndre Hopkins is doing with Kyler Murray and everything there, um, and the committee approach by the Houston Texans is not working. So, you know, if you're going to have a committee – you got to have an offense that's really expansive and that can feed the whole committee. And I think that's what I'm just questioning right now. I'm going, wait, maybe Billy, maybe Billy O'Brien's offense, maybe it was meant to have that one guy and feed him. And we'll see. It's a work in progress still. And we're seeing, I mean, Houston had to play two really good teams. And play the Baltimore Ravens and their crazy stuff, and they do. So it's not exactly the easiest way to get a new offense and everything, you know, together that
0: way. But uh, I'm a little concerned about it right now, aren't you? I thought you were going to get fancy there for a second and say, if you're going to have a committee, you better have a quorum. Do you know what a quorum is? No, I do not. I figured you didn't. <laughs> a quorum is, is enough members present to do business. Oh, got you. Got you. I, I did See, not Because that's know where those. I thought you were going. If yeah. you're going to have a committee, you better have a quorum. If you don't have a quorum, then you're better off with DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not as smart show. as
1: you. Don't think I know those things.
0: All right, goats. You're smarter than you think. That's That's the thing that's scary. You don't realize how smart you are, and I am gradually trying to – to, to boost you up one IQ <laughs> point you. at a time. We've gone from 60 to 70 over the last three <laughs> years. Let's take Goats in a Bad Way draft coming up for week two when PFD Live continues right now. I'm ready to go. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love.
1: I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going
0: undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now, only on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It
1: doesn't turn.
0: The hope of rewriting history. Is calling, and the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week
1: after week! This is the Premier League on NBC, USA, and Peacock. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world
0: Oh, for the United States. Unbelievable. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that?
1: An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock.
0: And here's a Falcons fan unhappy with the outcome of Sunday's game. 40-39 to loss to the Cowboys where a 10-point lead was squandered in the final minutes of the game. Scraping the Falcons uh, sticker off the car. And the audio has to be deleted because it, it, it apparently is so profane it would even make... Chris Sims
1: blush. Not possible. Not possible to make me blush. I'm very intrigued now. I don't want to hear it, though. I want to hear what kind of swear words this guy has in his arsenal. So uh, I might have to do that after this. All
0: right. You ready for this? uh, Well, yeah, I I am ready. You got a trivia question for me. It's Goats in a Bad Way draft. I was going to say something else, but I'll save it for one of my picks. Go ahead.
1: Okay, here we go. Goats in a Bad Way. Prior to Sunday, who was the last QB to throw a TD to Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed saving the 49ers. George Kittle's injury came from Washington. Who was that last Washington quarterback to throw him a touchdown?
0: Well, I I know what you're trying to do to me. I'm not stupid. I I may work with stupid, but I'm not stupid. I'm not trying to Uh, do anything. It's got to be Kirk Cousins. It's got to be. It's got to be Kirk. Kirk No, you're trying to... No, nope. I thought you were trying to stick
1: the knife into my ribs about I, Kirk Cousins. I wasn't. We 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 were not. It's not. It's not always about trying to get you. We got uh. We got Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy was the last person. Wow. To throw a touchdown pass. Um, what year? I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't applied that Must answer. Must have been 2018. Maybe got to be 18, right? I, I would think so. That makes sense. Okay. All right. Um. I think the I got to start out with goats in a bad way. I I, I mean this is this is easy. I got to start with Dan Quinn, Dan Quinn and the Atlanta Falcons. I'm sorry, I mean there's things to like about your football team through two weeks, but man, there's a lot to not like. Okay, and you know when you're a defensive head coach and your defense is getting gashed both weeks, where quarterbacks look like whoa, this is seven on seven football, yeah, and you blow a twenty to nothing lead. And you're a defensive head coach, and oh, yeah, you have blew a lead in a big game once before, let alone just some of the plays and, of course, the way the onside kick unfolded and everything. Um, Like Dan Quinn, the guy, but damn, he's the the goat of the week in a bad way uh, in a lot of ways.
0: And here's the thing. Last year, Arthur Blank, the owner of the team, stuck with Dan Quinn, even though they were abysmal at the break one and seven after eight games. They finished six and two and Quinn came back, but when Quinn comes out in the aftermath of the game and says, my players understand the rule for onside kicks, and the owner goes on SiriusXM NFL Radio and says, I, it's obvious from the video our players didn't know the rule, that's not good, and that doesn't bode well for the future of Dan Quinn. They've got a later bye this week, or this year rather. They play the Panthers twice before the bye. They've got some games that they can win to bump up their record, but I guess it's possible, you know, they could have four wins at the break and there could still be a change made when you've got two former head coaches on your staff. Raheem Morris runs the defense, although the defensive performance, no feather in his cap. No. Uh, And Dirk Cutter runs the offense. I guess he would be the candidate to take over if it came down to it. So yeah, that was high on my list, but uh, I, I thought that the question was pointing toward Kirk cousins because sorry, Kirk, Yeah, You you can't get that big raise. You can't get that new contract. You can't get all that extra guaranteed money and have a passer rating lower than 70. He's been abysmal this year. And we are seeing something that you and I talked about, the the, the dividing line between the great quarterbacks and the, the good quarterbacks. Right. And that is the ability to make something happen when the play that's called goes to crap. He has no mobility. He has no ability to recognize that things are falling apart and react to it. I think that's as big of a problem as his lack of escapability. Yeah. First, your brain has to recognize that that the walls are closing in, and he freezes up. We've seen it now in consecutive weeks, and the Vikings have three straight regular season games dating back to week 17 of last year where they've allowed a safety. And two weeks this year, both times, it's Kirk Cousins— dropping back, and here comes the defender, and Kirk doesn't know what to do. That is not, you know, a valuable trait for a quarterback. No. You want someone who's going to see that guy coming and do something, not just fetal position. You've got to do something. You've got to be able to get away from that guy. And first, you've got to recognize the need to get away from that guy. So those two plays are just a microcosm of what's going on here. And yes, Stephon Diggs being gone. Look, it's the Julio Jones factor. Remember when Matt Ryan got $30 million a year, Julio Jones got upset. And I'd am like, he's not twice the player I am. Yeah, He's not twice as important as I am. And w- w- not a coincidence. The day that Kirk Cousins got his new contract is the day Stephon Diggs made his push to get out of Minnesota. Because I think he realizes that... The receivers there have a lot to do with the success that Kirk Cousins had in his first two years with the team.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, I also, as we sit here, I start to go, man, maybe Kevin Stefanski was a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball than we wanted to give him credit for too. You know, that Kirk Cousins, it's not been good. I mean, you said it, Uh, there's no doubt about it. And he is, he's the type of quarterback that needs a system. His greatest asset is his ability to make a quick decision and assess a defense and be able to do all that and pull the trigger and throw the ball accurately. When he doesn't have a system or anything to expose or not being caught, taught the right way, you're taking away really the greatest thing he has. I mean, that's why guys like McVay and Shanahan love Kirk Cousins because they can just go, I can put all in these crazy plays and he'll do exactly what I told him. Well, I promise you he's doing exactly what Gary Kubiak told him. The problem is Gary Kubiak's offense is in the Stone Ages. I don't know any other way to say it. It's still 1997, Mike Shanahan, Denver Broncos offense, and yeah, that was an awesome offense in 1997. 23- oh, and when you
0: had John Elway, and when you had John Elway, who could get away from right. that pressure? and Terrell that comes Davis through.
1: and the Shanahan run scheme and everything about that. Right. So I will question that every bit as much as Kirk Cousins, and that's where I just don't know. You know, the offense—it's not going to give Kirk Cousins any advantages. That's for sure. And uh, it, it's not a good look, and I don't see how it rebounds. I really don't. I, I, I think they're in deep trouble.
0: Um, yeah, so I don't know. Good pick hey, by you. Hey, hey let, me, let me tell you this, though. Uh, I'm looking at Kirk's contract. They're, they're really stuck. They got a $21 million salary for him next year that's fully guaranteed, and then in 2022 it's $35 million, and It becomes fully guaranteed on the third day of the 2021 league year. Um, yeah. They may want to give Kyle a call after the season. Well, yeah, we'll they may, see. They may want. They may want. They may want, to, they may want to call Kyle and say, "How would you like a quarterback that is perfect for your system, <laughs> more perfect than Jimmy Garoppolo?" <laughs> well, yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, I'm telling you. The way yeah. this thing is going, I mean, because my, I, I've said, and and this is probably what will happen. It'll be treated as a scholarship year. It'll be treated as an aberration. Everyone's got security in Minnesota by virtue of the playoff win. But, man, uh, it, there's a bottom somewhere, and they're cl- uh, hopefully for them, they're close to it right. because if it gets much worse than what we've seen the last two weeks, I don't care what kind of job security is there. There's going to be major changes in Minnesota after this season. Yeah, no, no
1: doubt about that. No doubt. It, it's, uh, it's not looking good. All right, my next pick. All right. I think – I mean, I, I want to do the Jets' full football team for the crap they looked, But I think specifically I have to do the Jets defense. Let me just say Greg Williams. I'll, I'll just say Greg Williams. That's all I can really say about it. And I, I don't like saying Greg Williams a whole lot because it's just like, hey, there's not a lot of talent on that Jets defense and everything like that. But I'm going to pick Greg Williams because of this. We know the 49ers offense was beat up going into the football game. There's no Debo Samuel. There's no George Kittle. You know they're going to run the football. I mean, the 49ers ran the football and then some and like ran for 182 yards and a real 182 yards. Not like my quarterback scrambled on a few drop back passes and ran for 50 something yards in the game too, to add to that stat. This was like running back. We're running right at you. But more specifically, I come to two plays that I just, I just, what? I mean, the first play of the game to have a defense where you don't even touch. I mean, we made fun of it on, on football night in America. Don't even touch Raheem Mostert. He's not down in a one-hand touch game. I mean, to get exposed like that the first play of the game. Then there was a third and 31 where they let up a 50-yard run and basically untouched. And then there was the first play of the second half that got called back that was, what, an 80-yard touchdown, 70-yard touchdown? So uh, in a game where they needed the defense, and the defense had an advantage because the 49ers were banged up a little bit to kind of come through – uh, they didn't get off to a good start, and they were down in a hurry. All right, we got to keep moving. Yeah,
0: we don't have much time left. We don't want to carry the draft over until tomorrow. I'm going with, for we all reasons it. discussed yesterday, Bill Belichick. Sorry, Bill. Whoa. but Not calling that timeout. Watch yesterday's show if you don't know what I'm talking about. Bill Belichick, you get the goat horns. Go. Wow. Damn. You just that quick, huh? Okay. We still got like a good minute and thirty We're, left. We here. have a minute. Oh. No. No, we Ooh. don't. Dick, dick, go. Tick. Tick.
1: Tick. 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 I'm gonna go with Teddy Bridgewater. We can't call timeout. Unlike Bill Belichick, <laughs> we can't call timeout. Man, right, I Bluster, Teddy Bridgewater they driving the ball early in that game. He throws a horrible pick on a screen pass. Then they got the oh game Oh, my controlled. God, that was ridiculous. Right. Got the game kind of like in their favor, and he's got an open receiver to the right and throws the ball uh, three feet
0: behind, uh, I believe it was uh, DJ Moore for a big interception. Gloves and swamp-ass weather don't mix. Nah, right, they next don't. Next one for me. I'm torn here. Uh, we only I have forty five go. seconds. Hurry up! I know, I know. <laughs> I gotta go, Anthony Lynn. You don't punt on fourth and one to Patrick Mahomes, especially when Justin Herbert was playing the way he was. You don't punt on fourth and one in overtime. Go. What was? I that was three. I picked three things, so I'm done. But what is? I got.
1: Oh, you. Three. All right,
0: good. We're done. Yeah, but what I was the other one? You're weighing in. Weighing in on. Mike McCarthy. Oh. Two fake punts and the ridiculous go for two down nine ridiculous go for two sorry analytics guys ridiculous decision to go for two down nine come after me analytics mafia i'm i'm confident of one thing even though i'm 55 i'll kick your butts let's beat out in the alley that's it have a great day we'll see you tomorrow pft live pft pm coming up later See see ya